Have you ever wondered how being curious can make you a better business owner? This is Kristen Spencer, the host of the Your Business Story podcast, and today we're going to dive into curiosity. Remember the show's host is Kristen, she's on a business writing mission to make sure you know what words to say so that what you deserve is what you'll get paid because storytelling changes everything, get pumped for the epic knowledge in today's episode of Your Business Story. This is episode 26 of season one, Being Curious About the Why with Dan Goodwin. Today, I have an amazing guest. I know I always say that because my guests are amazing, but Dan has the biggest heart and the most amazing story, and I cannot wait for you to meet him. So welcome, Dan. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Oh, thank you, Kristen. It's it's going to be a blast. We we had a great conversation a couple of weeks ago, and I'm like, well, you know, you know, when you have a good conversation, you run out of time. We ran out of time. You said, hey, come on the live stream. Just come, come join me there. We'll continue the conversation. That's right. And so I just want to make it abundantly clear that Dan is like next level, a business consultant. You would not believe some of the companies that he works with. And his business is CYA, which is cover your assets and make sure you put the ETS on the end of there. And I wanted to say for anyone who's tuning in, because I'm already getting some hearts and likes, and I know it's because Dan is here. If you have any questions you want to ask Dan, pop them in the chat, and we will get to them if we don't have too much fun talking to each other. (laughs) Nice, nice. (laughs) All right. Are you ready for question number one? (laughs) Wow. Just right out of the gate. Yeah. Bring it on. Bring it. I'm ready. Bring it. Because you, your story is going to answer these questions, and I want people to get to know you as well as they can. And plus, like I said, I know we're going to run out of time. So, Dan, tell us a little bit about you and what you do. What's the most important problem you solve for your client, and who is your client? Wow. Okay. Yeah, we we might as well go ahead and schedule part two and part three, Chris. Oh, good. I love that. <laughs> I'm down. All right. So, so just, just a little bit of background. I'm, I live in Kansas city in the Kansas city metro area. And, uh, my, my life is divided into two sections, you know, corporate and over to entrepreneur. So my, my corporate background was investigations, investigative training. And I, I can dive a little deeper later for that if, if we want to go there, but yes, the let's people go there. I serve right now, um, when I left corporate, it was to get away from investigations <laughs> and I uh, didn't quite, I kept getting pulled back in. Right. Uh, and because the, I had family and friends that had small and medium enterprises and they had some of the same issues that a corporate, uh, a, a company would have with, you know, uh, fraud and theft, embezzlement and sexual harassment, and human relation issues. But most of them weren't big enough to have, a, you know, a security investigator, an HR person on site or a, uh, you know, an employment attorney on speed dial. And so I found myself basically for free at first coaching <laughs> my friends and family into how to uh, respond, repair, replace, react, put the fire out, basically get rid of the litigation uh, issues. And then that led to a review of systems and processes. And that then that led to really where I'm playing the playground I play in today is scale up. So in scale up uh, money, systems, processes, people, and, you know, I can introduce you to money. I can make minor suggestions, systems and processes, but my superpowers, people, I revet the people that are going to stay the next chapter and then vet the people we're inviting to be a part of the next chapter. So that's, that's really, that's the, that's the 35 year plan right there. (laughs) (laughs) That was so fast. Oh my gosh. Like you, uh, you made me nervous because you were like, can I do this? But you definitely did it and you succeeded. Like you 
said so many amazing little pieces of advice in there, too. And for anyone who's listening to this, my encouragement to you would be go back and listen again, because Dan sounds like he's just talking, but he's like slinging the pearls of wisdom your way uh, in rapid fire. So go listen again. And we do have someone that wants to say hi to you. So I'm going to bring it on the screen. We have John Donnelly sing. Oh, hey, hey, John. John's John's a good mate from from uh, Ireland. So we got people from across the pond coming in. John's in a, in one of my high powered networking uh, groups that I ascribe to. So, yeah, he's a good guy. So thank you, John. Appreciate you being here. Yeah, we love it that you're here. And if you want to ask Dan a question, you can drop it in the chat. Yeah, well, so, I don't know if we can allow John to ask any questions. Oh, he knows okay. too much. So, nah, Sorry, John. You're going to stump us if you ask us a question. <laughs> So you initially were like, I don't want to do this anymore. And then you realized that there were people who needed your help that weren't big corporations and you kind of got pulled back in. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So when I left, uh, I was just burnt out dealing with the human issues and foibles and bad decisions people were making. And I was traveling over half the time when I was with, you know, with the Fortune 500 company and uh, I needed to do something totally different. And I jumped in, this would have been 2007, jumped into real estate and real estate investing about about the time the market started to burn okay. to the ground. So, Not your fault, right? Not your fault. So, well, some people tried to blame me. So, you know, but what happened was I, I found myself using my negotiation skills, even serving my real estate clients who were facing foreclosure. And I was negotiating short sales and with, you know, loss VP mitigation, um, you know, asset specialist, loan servicers. So I was able to really take my corporate skills. And but even while I was doing that, you know, I was getting pulled back into the uh, to the consulting market, to the investigations piece. Yeah. So you were trying to <laughs> you're like, this is everywhere. Everywhere I go, this is there. Yeah. Yeah. Human issues. <laughs> human issues. And you said that's your superpower, right, is working with humans. And I think one of the things that I want to bring out, because uh, my husband has a degree in uh, criminal justice, and one of the things that he can do because of that is he notices things about people that everyone around doesn't notice. So do you feel like that is something that came out when you were going through your training? You're like, I can I I can do this magical thing that most people can't. Yeah. Yeah. So I when I went when I got the promotion to a security investigator, I started in the mailroom and then a security assistant. And about three years later, I was got promoted security investigator. And I, I don't know that I really knew what I was getting into, but okay. I, uh, I, I went to this, I went to the John Reed school of interview and interrogation technique in Chicago, which is the same school that they send the federal and the state and the County and local law enforcement to right. your husband may even be aware of that, of that school. I'm sure he knows. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty standard. I mean, we even had international, you know, Scotland yard and some people from Australia and, uh, army CID. So, so all these intelligence services would send their people to John Reed to get trained up on interview skills. So here's what I learned. Interview skills, uh, obviously some, you know, a little bit of sales, a lot of psychology, a lot of NLP, neuro linguistic programming. And I didn't know it was NLP that they were training us at the time, but that's really what set the stage for the skill sets that led me to have a successful uh, what I would consider a successful career corporately. Okay. So what, what would you say to someone who's like, how can I get on the corporate track? Would you be like, yes, go to John Reed, go there and learn how to communicate with and read people. Yeah. You know, I've, I've had, I've had young whippersnappers, you know, come to me and say, <laughs> I'd love to do that. That intrigues me. Uh, and it, I don't know, it takes a certain personality style to, to, to really work through that. But, but that, that certainly would be proactively. It's, it's not a, it it is an investment, but I think if you, if you took that on yourself and said, I'm going to John Reed to to take this course, they'll take your money, of course. Right. (laughs) Right. They're not going to say no. No, (laughs) you will learn a lot. So, 
so we learned and we learned how to measure truthful and deceptive behaviors. I mean, so the nonverbal piece is a real big key. Uh, and then, you know, we learned how to ask thought provoking pattern interrupt questions. Uh, we learned how to raise and lower cognitive dissonance, you know, internal stress by the right. questions we asked or the silence that we used. And we learned how to get into rapport quickly with people to to make them feel seen and heard and validated. Uh, because even when people have done something that's a policy violation or maybe against the law, they want to have a, as the cool kids say, they wanted to have a safe space to tell their story, right? Right. And that was what I did. Uh, um, and I had people share information with me even against their own self-interest sometimes, but it was their opportunity to tell their side of the story. Right. And you presented that, but also, okay. So I'm sure anyone watching and even listening can tell that Dan is an expert rapport builder because he's a nice guy. He's a genuine, like he genuinely cares. Right. So maybe that's part of it. Like, wouldn't you say that if you are like this, all I care about are the facts. I don't care about other human people involved. Like, would that be a good move? Because it's not just about the information, right? Yeah. You know, um, I've been called worse than a nice guy, though, <laughs> because, <laughs> but, uh, you know, one disclaimer, um, that whole good cop, bad cop thing you see on TV, that that's not a very efficient way to get information <laughs> unless you want to take the next step to, uh, you know, to physical torture or something like that. Right. Which we want uh, to avoid in general, right? Yeah. Yeah. For the most part, that, that yeah. could be a litigation issue, possibly. So, uh, <laughs> but no, it. You know, in a corporate environment versus a law enforcement environment, I mean, people all were always had the op opportunity to get up and leave. We mm. weren't going to have a false imprisonment charge. You know, when we set the room, th their seat is next to the door. And, uh, you know, I've had people stomp out of interviews and that's fine. Uh, but, you know, I always kind of pull the Columbo. Well, one more thing before you go, right? <laughs> Let me yeah, one more question. Uh, and most of the time it was, um, you know, I've got one more thing. And I would love to be able to enter your side of the story into the record. Now, if you walk out, we can only go or the management team can only go with what they already know. So if you can't make a statement or you don't want to make a, a written statement, uh, we understand you don't have to. But this is your opportunity. And sometimes that would work about half the time. You know, they'd say, oh, OK, well, I understand because uh, it's important that everybody has a chance to be heard. Right. Yeah, I love that. I'm just imagining you in the room <laughs> with a person and them like stomping out. And it's hilarious to me because you're like, I'm actually here to like make sure that everyone gets an opportunity to be heard. But if you don't want to yeah. be heard, I can't make you. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's there. It was their choice. And, uh, you know, the ones that were stomping out most of the time were the were the subjects of the investigation and may may or may not have been guilty. May, really were so most Guilty. Of the time. yes <laughs> so how do you then you come in and you your superpowers people so yeah. what is the biggest pain that your client is in and you know the answer right you know how to help them solve it but what's the thing they think they need to do that's actually not going to help them wow well the biggest challenge is communication um, and then the, the other one is awareness. Mm. Uh, when, when you get tunnel vision on, uh, on an issue, uh, and you're, is it, they say, you're right, you're too close to the, the forest, just, you know, the trees to see the forest or whatever right. the thing is. I screwed that or up. Or the trees. It's you fine. Know. We understand. Whatever. We understand. Um, <laughs> you're too close to the problem. Exactly. Exactly. So you you don't have an opportunity to come up and take a breath. Uh, part of the physiology of interviews is uh, to create stress or reduce stress. Mm -hmm. So when you're when you're operating in fear or you're operating in a triggered moment, you know your amygdala has gotten hijacked. You've got you know. <laughs> 
you've got all of these adrenaline and cortisol dumps going on. Right. And sometimes, you know, the minimum of 30 minutes to get that chemical balance back in your brain. Um, and sometimes that's where business owners or department leaders or C-suite level executives find themselves because something has gone terribly wrong. And it really comes back to the communication part or unmet expectations and which has led to something terrible happening. So, Oh, yeah, that makes sense. So you kind of come in and you help them understand, well, hopefully not everyone is hiring you from a perspective of something has gone horribly wrong. Please help us, Dan. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you know, my business is reactive and proactive. And what we're describing on crisis is obviously we're reacting to something that happened in right. the marketplace. The proactive piece, the scale up is to just make sure that we're there's no skeletons in the closet or any litigation issues, you know, that uh, need to be fixed. I love that. So you so they, people who don't want to get in trouble need to hire you before something happens. Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, Here, here's here's the challenge with scale ups. You're, you've been in business one to three years. You've gone from zero rev to a million rev, right? I right. mean, you're you're on fire. You're pumping. Exactly. And the rose-colored glasses sometimes, you know, obfuscates the the vision, the 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 you know the peripheral vision piece of it. And um, you're growing so fast, and everything is this a wild wild west. You haven't defined your process. You haven't created your HR handbook yet, right? Right. You have no SOPs. You're, you know, just blazing through. Yeah. Just blazing through. And uh, I, one one company, I, here, I'll give you a quick example, a quick story. Oh, yeah. So one company was uh, rocking along and about a year before they were getting ready, they were going to do a merger acquisition. They were going to okay. actually acquire and that required round A funding. So they went out and found an investor to say, hey, we're in this space. We're doing this. We're doing God's work here. And we're going to go buy this other company and fold them into because they were aligned in most ways. Yeah. So but about a year before they did that, they jettisoned somebody that wasn't in the game or they didn't think was in the game. And so the person that got fired or got run off figured out that there was going to be a huge influx of money in about six months with the investors, right? Wow. So what do you see there? You see payday if you bring a litigation forward, right? Within at the, the right time. At the right time. And uh, that uh, luckily there was a settlement there. It uh, did not derail the transaction, but it sure could have if they'd have mm. put it really, really hard. So that's just one minor example. (laughs) So minor. Yeah. That sounds, that sounds scary. Like to me, that sounds terrifying, right? Like my business is tied into everything in my life personally, and I'm not scaled to a million dollars yet. It's going to happen someday, but like, how can people protect themselves without hiring you? It sounds like they can't. Well, no, they, they don't have to hire me. I mean, as well, long as I want they, them to hire you because you're so good. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, thank you. I appreciate that. So I, I think the organization factor, you need someone on your team that is that uh, SC disk profile, right? That is the, the detailed person, the process person. Because if you hire me a high DI, I'm just out slaying dragons looking for the next bright, shiny penny, right? Uh, that or nickel or dime or quarter. And, uh, you, you know, you need somebody to clean up the mess behind you and make sure the SOPs are solid. That That's really where it comes down to. And that's tough, especially if you're a solopreneur ch- uh, starting out and then you need to bring on a VA or, or an executive assistant and then you need someone to do sales and then you need to start handing the hats off, the COO and the CFO and the CTO and the CMO and all the, <laughs> all t- the C people. All right. the C people, all the C-suite people. You've <laughs> yeah. got to figure out and, and you've got to trust those people that they're not working against you either. 
Right. And I've heard so many, let's call, I call them business horror stories, right? Where you talk to someone and they're like, my business was growing. I had not a fractional CFO, but I had a CFO come in and they took half of my money and left. And I was like, I've heard this story way too many times at this point. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, that's, that can be the case. And uh, I think, and here's the other thing I know to have those, have all those partnership agreements locked up, have buy sell agreements locked up ahead of time, not, not after the fact. Yeah. A, a business divorce can be somewhat messier than a personal divorce. <laughs> I've seen it. I've seen it happen in the partnership agreements. Let me just, I'll give you a quick example. Two partners grew a uh, business to seven figures and uh, one died and their partnership agreement wasn't solid. And all of a sudden partner a found himself in business with partner B's spouse who oh. had business experience, right? Because oh, dear. it passed straight to her, right? Right. And um, that that can create a lot of stress on a business. It can tank a business, actually. Yeah. That's, I mean, yes, it sounds like what you're saying is true. And you don't, there are ways to avoid these uh, dramatic moments of realization, let's call them. Yeah, you've got to plan ahead. You've got to you got to be smart about it. And you know, people are so focused on leading with sales, leading with revenue, which is great. They're working in their business, right? But yeah. they really need to take a breath and work on their business. They need to work on the business plan. A business plan is simply a loss mitigation plan, and it needs to be reviewed when you're starting out every 30 days and then quarterly and then semi-annually, but that is a living, breathing document mm-hmm. and it always has to be adjusted for where you find yourself in the plan. Yeah. And I love that. And you said every 30 days because it's changing so fast, right? Like when you're building something, it changes every day. Yeah. I've, I've got a current client and she runs a art restoration studio. And she at one point had an employee processing invoices and payments and everything. And so we talked about that. Is that the highest misuse of that, that employee's time when they should be framing or repairing a painting or a sculpture? And right. so she finally outsourced it to someone that does it remotely now. I mean, QuickBooks is an awesome tool. It's not the only one. And we're not sponsored by QuickBooks anyway. We're not, but I do use QuickBooks to to be transparent. <laughs> well, I don't use it. Someone else uses it for me, right? On your behalf. Yes. That's what she did. And uh, she's got it down to a system now. I mean, it's just like take a picture of the invoice with the iPad, yes. send it over to the accountant. They generate the payment link and blah, blah, blah. And you're off to the races. You know, there you go. Yeah. And that's, I love Talking about this, I just put out a newsletter about this today. How can you really be your own best marketer? And the answer that I was like, you're going to hate the answer. That's That was the second line. I know you're going to hate the answer. And the answer is no. Because why would you focus on something that is not, especially if you're a restoration, if you're in arts restoration, you do not need to be paying $5,000 and going to someone's marketing class. You already are the business. You have the magic power. Yeah. Yeah. And she's awesome. She, I mean, she's, and she's done it forever. I mean, she, her, her business generates strong mid six figures. So she's, she's got it. She's got it down. And as far as being your own marketer, it's always good to have third parties bragging on you instead of coming across as that guy or that gal promoting all the time. It's yeah, it, it's like three to one, right? For every one person who's saying a good thing about you, it's like three to 10 of yourself saying it. Right, right. And you need to flip that, right? I mean, you need to, I've got, I've got a friend over across the pond that he advertises, he does BAAS bragging as a service. I mean, so he can get in and help people, you know, amplify their message. And right. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. Yeah, it makes sense. I love everything you're saying so far. Oh, man, I wish we could talk forever, but we can't. So let's move to the next question. Yeah. So you have a unique perspective. And I'm I'm saying that as someone who's looking at your business and you can't disagree with me. Okay. so 
What is your solution to their big problem? And why don't we break this down a little bit? Because you work with large corporations, but you also work with people like me who are solopreneurs who are trying to scale and hire help. So how do you solve those two different problems? Um, you know what? It, it begins with, you know, uh, this good old standby, the needs analysis to, you know, figure out uh, I've I've got my three V's, right? Uh, values, vision and velocity. So we always start with values. And I don't care if it's uh, you're starting out at 10K a month or you're up to a million a month. You know, what are your underlying values? You own the company. It's your vision, right? That will be put to whoever you bring in. So your values have to be locked in and locked solid. All right, let's take a few seconds for our sponsor break because their business stories matter too. When people ask what you do as a professional, do your palms and pits start to sweat? Do you break out in hives? Well, don't worry, we've got you covered. Today, you can take Literary Symmetry's complimentary 30-minute masterclass to help you craft your one big sentence so that next time you have 60 seconds to share your story, you know exactly what to say. Because your business story matters. Sign up today at literarysymmetry.com forward slash pathway. And now back to our episode about an epic business owner just like you. So if you value, if you value honesty, integrity, uh, loyalty, all of the, all of these these things that are driving us that make up who we are. So values is first. Vision is where you see you are the leader. You are the owner, even a solopreneur or a large company. It's the vision that attracts the right people to you to help you move down that road. And then the last V is velocity. And it's how fast do you want to get there? Because right. velocity goes back to then the strategic and the tactical, the overall strategies, and then the tactics, the tasks, the daily grind that makes the strategies work. work. All right. Yeah. So now, you, now you've got me on a, you've got me on a sermon. right now. <laughs> no, I love it. And actually, this is something that I talk a lot about that people are like, I don't really hear anyone else talking about it. So it's not just me. It's Dan too. But you can choose your own velocity. You don't have to scale as fast as possible if that's not what you want. Right. It's it's what is Kristen's world, you know, plan for world domination. It's what is Dan's plan for world domination. Right. Uh, because I, I have worked, I've had people raise their hand and say, I want to scale up. Okay, awesome. So we go through that, we go through that exercise, values, vision, velocity, and all of a sudden they realize. That is way too much work. So <laughs> to they're do it going that fast. to do it. Well, maybe to do it at all. Okay. Because maybe they're seasoned. Maybe they've got a great income stream. Maybe they have a succession plan in place already with, you know, a family member or a partner. And they figure, you know what? I'm not going to take on this extra product line. I'm not going to offer this additional service uh, because it it's just too much for the lifestyle that they become accustomed to. Right. And that's something that actually I'm slowing down a little bit. Like in November, I'm going to recuperate from recording six months worth of uh, podcast episodes. And it, it was like in a month and a half. Right. And just focus on the foundation of my business, but also have mental health days where I go for a hike by myself and not in a scary place. OK, in, in a place where other people are. But I just mean without someone else so I can be alone with my thoughts because that's what I want moving forward. And people are like, but you could be scaling like this and doing that. And you have all these things. I'm like, I want to have a quality of life. That's not just work. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's allowed. It's allowed. Right. And a lot of people are saying hustle harder, do these things. But I think what you're saying is you go in and you help people evaluate what do you really want? And not just from your business, but alongside your business. Yeah. I mean, it's the Spice Girls, right? Tell me what you want, what you really, really want, right? <laughs> yes. And so the the other the other piece of that is uh when when you consider how does this play into uh, to your global, right? How how so like for me, for next year, 
uh, and I've shared this with my business partners. My the Q, my 2023 is moving from one to one service with clients to one to many mm. more opportunities on stages, right? On business conferences, yes. on thematic conferences, uh, to bring this idea of critical thinking, and your you you have permission to use your critical thinking skills. The last two and a half years have been a great example of when people don't use critical thinking skills because yeah. it is time for everyone to stay accountable and responsible for themselves. I love that. So what does that mean for your business though? And I understand, right? Like you have the consistency in your business already and now you're going for the larger visibility because I'm sure you could be in one-to-ones all day. You have so many relationships, you have so many fans, right? But what would you say to someone else? And this is what I'm doing in my business too, is I'm trying to go to that next level of visibility so that I don't have to do as many one-to-ones because I get tired, right? So what would you say, like, can you give our listeners permission to do what they need to do so that they can see the kind of life they want? Yeah, and that that's really important. And when you were you're talking about the the hustle, you know, people saying hustle grind more, hustle grind more. Here's here's what I ask people when they want to scale up. But here's here's the scary question. And I'll ask you, Kristen, oh, yeah. if your business doubled each month for the next three months in a row. So envision that. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> Do you have the systems and resources to handle the increase? That is a scary question, especially that if you're is. in manufacturing, right? It, right. Think about a service business like yourself, like me. Could you handle nine times as many clients as you have right now? Right. And the truth is, that's secretly what I'm working on is I'm building out all the systems. I'm hiring all the con I'm testing all the contracted workers because I had one of my friends, uh, Emma DeGallo, who's been on this show. And she was like, Kristen, you have to start hiring other ghostwriters right now. And I was like, I can't find them. She's like, you need to figure out how to train them then like do the personality quiz and then give them the knowledge. And she scared some good habits into me. because she's like, if a bunch of people come right now, you can't write for them. Right. And I was like, you're right. I can't, I can only write for one person at a time. And she's all, and how many books can your team handle? And I was like, yeah, we could probably do like one a month. And she's like, so if 10 people come to you right now, you're going to pee your pants. I was like, that's true. Accurate. Yeah. Yeah. And the the whole thing is I, I tell people if, if you've got 14 plates spinning on sticks, and I add another 14 next month and another 14 the next month. How many are going to crash and burn? Because that's where the, your business, your business reputation, your business image suffers is when you can't deliver and the customer service just tanks. So that. Right. You know, and what would tough. you what would you say? Because I hear a lot of there are so many high ticket coaches. And for the listeners, I'm using scare quotes for coach. There are so many of those people who will say, just build your business and then build out a wait list that's 24 months long. I'm like, what are you talking about? Who's comfortable making someone pay for something they won't get for two years? I'm not being ridiculous. Am I, Dan? Tell me. (laughs) Well, that seems a little extreme to me, but, you know, it's... uh, Remember, it ain't bragging if you can do it, right? <laughs> so That's true. If, you, if someone's willing to do that. If you can command you know, 10, 20, $50,000 to get on a two-year wait list, oh my God, I need to talk to you, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, and, and and as everyone just heard, Dan definitely knows my price range for my ghostwriting services <laughs> because we've talked about it, right? And I talked to you, I was like, what is this number doing in your brain? And you're like, yeah, it sounds like for someone who's has that specificity, you can do it, right? When when I was scared about raising my prices, even though my mentor was like, raise your prices, you're charging. You know, my friend Kate Donovan, she was on the show earlier this week. She says that resentment is your superpower. And she says that when you get paid for something and you feel resentment, it's time to raise your prices. 
Oh, I agree. And I love Kate. She's awesome. There's a, Do one you know Kate? Yeah. Yeah. We're, I mean, we're connected. I, and I don't know, we're supposed to have a call. I don't know. Uh, you know, all these days run together sometimes, but I, yeah. I do know who Kate is and I like her stuff because I comment on her stuff on LinkedIn. Uh, but I've got a business partner uh, in Sweden named Monica Bozanov and her whole, her whole kick line is double your prices in 30 minutes or less when you meet with her. So it's, it's a mindset thing. It's a money block thing. And plus remember, Kristen, if you double your prices, you only have to work with have as many people just to have your same income level. I so, know it's true. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 you know, when you think of it that way and you can be more present with half the people, you know, your quality of work will actually increase. Right. And also the quality of the people you work with increases. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> yes. Well, that, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Because when I work with someone and they're like, let me pay you $1,000 to do my web copy, which I don't do anymore. So no one try to pay me that or hire me to do that because I won't. But I have to do research on their company, right? I have to learn their voice. And then I have to go back and forth with them over edits. And people who pay that price for those for that chunk of writing, they're going to want between 100 and 200 edits. When someone pays me $10,000 to revamp all their messaging, we might have 10 edits between all the 5,000 to 10,000 words I write for them. Yeah. And and probably, I, I don't know this for sure, but probably the they haven't, DTFW, done the fantastic work of really getting clarity on their values, their vision, which is what's happening when you return the first round of edits, you are actually, you're actually coaching them through to their, their business vision, right? right. I mean, and they might not be ready for it. Yeah. And we call that in the copywriting world, we say they're not ready to hire a copywriter. That's what we say. Right. Right. Because they, they haven't taken the time to really go on a deep dive to figure out what it is they really want. Right. And I do I do help people with offer creation. Now, since we talked, I have been like up to here and I'm holding my hands up to my forehead right now, listeners, in offer creation education, because as a copywriter, I work with so many people who their offer is undercutting their value or they don't even have a good offer and they need that help before I can even write for them. So I was like, I better learn this first step first before I write something for someone. So, you know, we're always learning. I'm curious, what thing are you learning about right now? Because I know that you are also a lifelong learner. Yeah. So um, I'm right now, personally, I'm doing uh, brain chemistry research, which comes off back to our ability to do critical thinking. And then for business wise, I am in that transition, like I, I spoke about a few minutes ago to go from the one-to-one client relationship to the one-to-many. So that's a new state. Listen, I've spoken on stages, right? I'm comfortable on camera. I'm comfortable on podcasts. I seem to be the perpetual podcast guest, right? (laughs) But I am ready. Uh, I am ready to, you know, have passport. We'll travel. I got to get over to Europe and I've got to get down to South Africa to meet all these people, these wonderful people that I have met over the last two years, uh, one thing that has changed, obviously, is I was using Zoom for seven years, but yeah. you know, when 2020 hit, it really expanded my vision because we started meeting great thinkers, great like-minded, high-frequency thinkers all over the world. And I figured it out that um, human issues have no geographical boundaries. They do and not. As long, <laughs> and as long as I can speak that language, I can help people. That's that. That's my big aha from the last two years. <laughs> okay, I'm going to give you a small challenge, which you can feel free to ignore this challenge, but I think it's a good one for you. One of the things that happens is when you are a podcast guest, it's a different level of visibility than when you are a podcast host. I'm just throwing that out there because you are so good 
at listening to people, hearing the tone of their voice, and knowing whether they're lying or not, first of all, but also knowing that, oh, maybe there's something deeper that they could share that they're not sharing that would help my audience. So I'm just throwing that out there. You have a really unique USP, and there's definitely room in the podcasting world for you. Well, I've, I've, thank you for saying that. I've been told that on multiple occasions. And I was saying, would anybody like to pay to sponsor that project? <laughs> it's like your thousand dollar. I'm not doing it for a thousand anymore, but if I came and gave you 10,000, you right. may consider it, right? Yeah, I mean, you should just put some proposals out there. You know how to write a mean proposal. Be like, hey, you can, uh, like, I already have all these connections. I'm really good at this. Do you want to sponsor it? I bet you will get some yeses. Yeah, I've I've got everything was set. Uh, Thank you for saying that. I I do appreciate that that compliment. And yes, it may be a part of a a future for for 23. Uh, Right now, we're just like you. uh, We're riding out the storm and cleaning, batting down all the hatches and cleaning up all the messes that we made earlier this year. (laughs) Right. Yes, I I definitely. Yeah, I can relate to that because I well, you know, my business pivoted and so it's newer and so i had to find all the problems by having them in real time so that's now i'm addressing them right all right so dan can you please just tell us a little bit about your like your story how did you even know you were interested in interrogation how did you know I can actually talk to someone and be really good at interacting with humans. Like, was it when you were a kid? Was it when you got older? I know there's a story here. (laughs) Well, well, let me say that I was probably ADHD before it was diagnosable or cool. I'll say that. Okay. Uh, My dad called me, you know, air quotes listeners, an active child, whatever that meant. (laughs) I, I was, I was, you know, nicely, sometimes not so nice. Sit down, shut up, boy. You're asking too many questions, right? Okay. So, so curious. Eternally curious. I mean, to the, to, it was maddening for my, my parents. Well, especially my dad, I, my mom was a little more, a little more tolerant of, <laughs> of all the questions and actually took the time to, to answer most of them. So, mm. but yeah, I, I guess I was born for this. I didn't know it. Um, so I lost. So part of my personal story is I lost my mom when I was 18. Oh, and I'm so sorry right after for your graduated, loss. Yeah, right after graduating from high school, my, my little brother was 12. Uh, so dad went into, you know, went into a pretty deep depression. Uh, I, I would too. I don't know what I'd do if I lost my wife. And so I felt like I was raising my little brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I got married at 21. So I mean, got married very young. Um, and when I started with uh, the company, um, I, I was I was really kind of lost, uh, not really having any any goals, impact, not processing uh, grief correctly. Mm. And um, but I got married, and thank God, you know, she stuck with me, and we're going on. Uh, 36 years. So I'm on, like oh, I tell everybody, congratulations. She's, she's my favorite wife and um, <laughs> I'm on month to month renewal now. Right. So, anyway, but you know, I, I kind of fell into that, that job uh, in the mailroom and then the security assistant, then the investigator, then the regional manager. Uh, that's, I mean, that's how I finished up was a regional manager. And um, it just, it just felt natural to me to to just ask people questions because I am curious about people. I want to know their story. I want to know what makes them tick. I want to know uh, when when I trigger somebody uh, intentionally or unintentionally. I want to know what emotion that I want them to name that emotion to figure out where did that come from. What trauma did what trauma general because we all have it. We all have those 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 generational traumas sometimes, but we have That's those true. that we have those traumas that we've had that were inflicted uh in during childhood. 
And again, intentionally or unintentionally, it it doesn't really matter. We need to take the time to process those so that we don't repeat those to our own children. And my sure. God, I'm my name is Dan and I inflicted trauma on my kids, right? I mean, I those are things that I I have conversation with my adult children now. Here's my regret. Here's why. And by God, just like my dad, I was doing the best I could in the present moment with the knowledge I had. With the information. Yes. With the information you have. That's what I always think about when I think of my childhood is what information did my parents actually have? Because it was severely limited. Yeah. Yeah, It, it, uh, it, it is. And it's it's who we ascribe ourselves to. It's the it's the groups, the family, the friends, the church, the work situation, the social circles, all of that has has a bearing. So anyway, I don't I don't know how we got off into psychology and my (laughs) and you being my therapist today, Kristen. (laughs) Well, you know, I am I care about people's stories. Obviously, that's why we get along so well, because um, and I have to give us a a shout out to Sajad, who, by the way, let me just announce I haven't announced this on the podcast yet. But by the time this comes out, Dan will have been on the new networking uh, in the new networking event that Sajad and I have put together, which is called the most polarizing networking group on Earth. By the way, that's the name of it. (laughs) And, you know, Sajad, because we have different approaches. (laughs) (laughs) He shared that name with me. And I'm like, yep, I, I believe that that is what you want to title it, Sajad, because of your personality. So. Well, okay. Actually, I came up with the name and he thought it was hilarious. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Well, I'm going to, I'll give credit to you, but I'm telling you, you, you knew your audience because he jumped all over that. So. I knew that's what he would want. Yeah. But I mean, and that's why he introduced us, right? Because he's like, both right. of you care about storytelling. And that's right. why I just appreciate your authenticity and being willing to share and, you know, I walked through the loss of my father-in-law with my husband, and that was so traumatic It for not just for us as adults, but especially for our kids because they were so close to, to him. And it's never – I haven't lost a parent yet, but watching him, I was like, this is next level. Like, you cannot know what this is like until you've gone through it. And I still don't know, but I know what it was like to watch him. So I appreciate you sharing that. Well, my pleasure. Yeah. I mean, as as we get older, uh, so my dad had a stroke five years ago. Uh, so that, and that's been that's been another journey to see, you know, to walk that path. Uh, lost my father-in-law back in 19. Uh, you know, so walking alongside my wife and my kids, uh, you know, uh, with that piece of it. Uh, it's 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 an interesting road. And uh, it really brings up what's really important about all this. Yes. I, I mean, Kristen, I've sat in interviews and I've, I've cried with people because it's, it's impacted me so deeply that they felt compelled to make a decision that's going to change the course of their lives. And I didn't choose for them to do that. I'm just there to get the information so that the management team understands what happened. But it's still tough because at in the end, we need to practice grace, mercy, and love whenever possible on how yes. we deal with each other. And I actually have those words tattooed on my arm. <laughs> do you really? I do. I have Micah six eight tattooed on my arm because oh my I need that reminder, right? And it's not just loving mercy for other people. It's not just loving mercy for me. It's loving mercy for other people. That's the part that I struggle and that I'm working toward every day because it feels so good when you get mercy, right? But if the person who wronged you gets mercy, it's not the same feeling. It's much more complicated. Yeah. I, my wife's like, oh, you know, I'll be upset with the situation or a person. And she goes, well, it doesn't sound like grace, mercy, or love to me. I said, yeah, but you don't know what I wanted to say, right? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, in my head, it is. It is those things. Exactly. Exactly. I like your wife already. Like, I feel like we would be friends for sure. <laughs> oh, she's she's uh, she's awesome. And, and she does a lot of eye rolls. I don't know why, right? <laughs> <laughs> She does a lot of eye rolls and what did he do this time? You know, so anyway, she's awesome. 
But that's what it's like when you're with your best friend for that many years. I got married at 21, too. And so I'm a little bit uh, lower on the journey than you. Yeah, by about 20 years. But it's still fun every day. That's good. That's 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 the secret right there is just laugh at yourself and at each other and just keep moving forward. So. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. Well, thank you, Dan. We could talk forever and you will have to come on again. I would love for you to come on again. I'm not going to force you to. Okay. However, however, I can help serve your tribe. You just you just let me. You know where to find me. <laughs> you know where I to do. Find me. And actually, you can find both of us on LinkedIn. But what if someone who's listening right now wants to work with you? What's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Yeah. Well, LinkedIn is the playground. They just need they just send me a message. Uh, you know, my my website cwayconsulting.services will, will take you directly to my LinkedIn profile. Okay, I'm going to uh, pop that in the chat here for everyone. Oh, sure. Yeah. So www.cyconsulting.services. And uh, that would take you to my LinkedIn profile. It's just somebody needs to, to, to reach out to me. Uh, and then I'll give you my calendar link because we've got to spend at least 30 minutes together just to see if, if we're a fit to work together. Uh, right. You know, because it's relationship-based, right? It, it is relationship-based. And I always ask my clients, uh, one of my pre-questions, Kristen, is when I have challenging information to share with you, Kristen, one, being tickled with a feather, 10, baseball bat studded with nails, how would you like it delivered, right? One is ultimately faster, painful, but faster towards solutions. And if somebody says five or below, yeah, we we, we may not be a fit to work together. Yeah, my answer would be 10. Like, just give it to me fast and exactly. painful and let's deal with it. Let's deal with it and get on with it. So, yes. All right. So this is what I like to ask for the final question. And it can be something you already said if you feel that it's the most important. But what's like one tidbit you would give to the listeners for how they can succeed as far as their human relationships at work or at home? Because I know humans are your thing. Um, Stay in curiosity. And always ask yourself the question, I wonder what they don't know that I should know. Oh, that is fire. Oh, my goodness. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for being on the show again. It was so much fun. I can't even tell you. My cheeks hurt from laughing. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But thank you for coming on. Listeners, I've already convinced him to come on again. And remember... Your business story matters because your story matters, which Dan proved today. Thank you for listening to my mom's radical podcast, Cool Face Emoji. And if you want to be radical like my super awesome mom, then you should totes check out her Impact Accelerator. You just need to leave a review of this podcast and screenshot that baby and send it to impact at literarysymmetry.com. And like my mama always says, your business story matters. Hey, I don't sound like that. Let's do